The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, February 19th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, Jerry Brewster, a certified dietitian nutritionist with a Master of Public Health, and guest co-host, Rhonda Mulford, Director of Services for the Kirkman Group. Later in the show, I will be joined by veterinarian Dr. John Robb, who has been dismissed and vilified for his stand on protecting pets. This will be a discussion familiar to many in the autism advocacy community. First, Rhonda and I are talking with Jerry Brewster about how the condition of the gut affects cognition, behavior, and neurological status, how special diet can help on the road to recovery, other nutritional methods helpful in remediating symptoms, and the modified Atkins diet for seizures, in which Jerry has a particular interest and expertise. Welcome, Jerry and Rhonda. Hi, thank you, Jerry. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? Well, thanks. It's nice to be back on the show. Uh, Thanks for inviting me again, Terry. Oh, you're quite welcome. Well, Jerry, you're a wealth of information. And do you work in conjunction with doctors who help individuals, families, or both? And what ages and conditions do you mostly serve? Oh, my goodness. So I've been in clinical practice for 30 years, and I'd like to say that um, I am a family-based nutrition practice. Um, So... uh, I am seeing, I'd say probably about 60% of the practice is um, PEDS, pediatrics, um, both special needs and, and general um, neurotypical children with other nutritionally related health issues going on. And, and because I'm seeing the child, I'm often working with the families as a whole, other siblings in the family and the parents, because when you're going to make some dietary and lifestyle changes for one, it really does have to become uh, a family event. So it's really often very much um, providing support to families as a whole with maybe one particular family member being the focal point. Um, And my clients certainly have come to me from a variety of sources over the years. Some are self-referred because they find me either through my website or have heard me speak or read something that I wrote. Um, But many many current clients are referred by either a healthcare practitioner, either their physician, or one of the therapists that they or their children may be seeing, either an occupational therapist or a speech pathologist or a psychologist. Um, And then I, I maintain some type of corroborative, you know, um, 
team approach with that referring practitioner. So, and then, and then, you know, word begets word. So, a lot of clients refer other families that they know. So, it's um, it's a it's a nice uh, welcoming practice. I I feel. Okay, and when the clients come to you, are you seeing that gut issues, metabolic issues, or other issues are more foundational to first address in their health program? Oh, that really does depend on the individual. I mean, many of these conditions are all interrelated. So very often I I have to kind of triage uh, and prioritize, um, you know, and and give some attention to the most significant issue. There's generally a tipping point that brings a person in to see me. Um, And very often families have really exhausted most conventional approaches um, before stepping into this more integrative or dietary lifestyle management approach. Um, And it's not that other therapies don't work, but they can be somewhat limiting and um, they can sometimes bring about their own set of side effects. So there are effects, but there are also side effects. So at some point, addressing the underlying um, nutritional and biochemical underpinnings that may be driving behavior or sleep, um, blood sugar issues, either weight issues, either too much weight um, or too little weight or very selective eating or nutrient deficiencies uh, that can be revealed in blood work. So some is very just straightforward, whether anemia or low albumin or protein stores that um, a pediatrician is picking up on. Or some are a little bit more elaborate if they have been working with more of an integrative physician who's done greater detailed work and have looked, has looked at carnitine levels and fatty acid levels and other vitamins and, and minerals um, in their blood work and uh, under closer examination can really see why a special diet may be indicated. And very often we just begin by cleaning up the current diet and really working on um, foundational gastrointestinal um, function, just good bowel movements and elimination, reduced reflux, um, and uh, and building from there. I don't want to continue to say too much if there was something else that you wanted um, to ask me with regard to that issue. Well, I found a couple of things in particular that you said interesting, Jerry. Uh, that was one that that this would be a last resort that people had tried other things when you know we know let food be thy medicine and thy medicine be food. Um, why should diet be a last resort when it's so well, integral? Well, and it's not so much a last resort. What I had actually said, I think, is that they may have dead ended in conventional means that they they yeah. had pushed. It wasn't that right. they weren't necessarily considering always the, the diet and, um, and and their overall the overall well-being of their child. But I, I think that, and I hear what you're saying, Terry, and I do appreciate that. I, I think, honestly, um, the majority of, of people in the United States, certainly, where it's always been the land of plenty, um, and as long as a child is staying on their growth curve, that it's all been assumed that they're getting adequate nutrition. And when health issues and or behavioral and developmental issues begin to unfold, um, there it's certainly a crisis and for a family and especially a young family and um, 
not expecting anything. I mean, certainly preemies and, and stormy beginnings can also um, bring a whole set of, of nutritional concerns, but just stay within what might have appeared to be a, a full-term normal pregnancy and delivery, um, and then come frequent ear infections and constipation or reflux issues, um, eczema, and and you have your little infant, so you're going to your pediatrician and then to the gastroenterologist, the dermatologist, and so, and then somewhere, you know, if this happens to then parallel with um, developmental and language delays and then comes early intervention and evaluations and, and therapies and all, um, sometimes it takes a little while before through networking or reading or even for some of the physicians and other practitioners involved to say to a parent, gee, you know what we really noticed today after they ate X, Y, and Z, you know, we noticed they were scratching more or they were um, a little more belligerent or they were um, OCDing on something and uh, their scripting began to increase, et cetera. So, then they, it, so it's generally part of just an evolution. To um, so that that was kind of what I meant there. But I agree with you. Um, I think very often kids have been to a lot of practitioners, and nobody's really yeah. asked what they're eating. I found it interesting too, Jerry, that psychologists refer to you as that for feeding disorders. Uh, feeding disorders, and and really because so many behaviors. Them, yes. um around food uh, and food meal times and feeding can be a particularly stressful time for a lot of families and a lot of children use food to kind of control their parents and uh, and a lot of parents use food to kind of bribe their kids and then it, it gets quite dysfunctional very quickly okay well that's so, I would those were some enlightened psychologists. How does the condition of the gut affect cognition, behavior, and neurological status? Oh my goodness! So there's a <laughs> there's a question that we might need like uh, three days to explore. Um, I guess um, certainly there is very much in the literature at this time that really points to the connection between the gut and the brain. Um, back in early 2011, when the National Institutes of Health put out the first results of the Human Microbiome Project, more people became enlightened on this whole topic that's, you know, as um, functional medicine nutritionists have been discussing for a long time, that certainly the gut microbiota uh, which, of course, can refer to lots of organisms that live in our gut, but we're primarily dis- discussing generally the bacteria that's present there and also how that bacteria is, is balanced out with some of the yeast and fungal organisms. But, um, you know, there's like 100 trillion microbes living in our body, um, and for the most part, many of them have, have been there to help produce a well-functioning immune system so that we could pretty much be in harmony with all of the antigens and um, plant life and food and and everything that surrounds us that we breathe in and that we ingest. Um, But because our 
gut flora has shifted so much in the last 150 years just due to the refinement and, and adulteration in many cases of our food supply, uh, increased sugar consumption, which can, which can feed some of the not-so-beneficial bacteria in our gut and acidify our bodies a little bit more, and the presence of steroids and antibiotics in our food supply, which totally shift our, our gut um, microbes. Um, with, with that disruption going on, we see a lot of disruption in immune systems and, and um, therefore a lot of chronic disease, diseases that were once considered adult diseases or age-related diseases we see now in very young children, you know, early on, and they are just sort of expected to carry that with them throughout their life um, and, and require medications, which may, which may be necessary, at the, you know, at the time, um, but dependence on those medications are going to continue to disrupt their gut flora and therefore disrupts their immune system. Um, In a newborn infant, the immune system and the neurological system are very closely intertwined, and they really have the gastrointestinal tract as that root. Um, You know, that's where um, um, there's a lot of communication between the immune system and the neurological system in the body and very much so in in the developing infant. So um, disruption in one can often lead to disruption in the other. And pretty much at the end of the day now, we are seeing many children with very hyperreactive immune systems, lots of allergies, lots of sensitivities, um, lots of sensitive guts that, that reject a lot of foods, you know, a lot of reflux diagnosed very early on. And we are also seeing a lot of hyperreactive neurological systems, so kids that are very sensory sensitive and um, and very attentional um, have attentional deficits because uh, again they are kind of busy hyper reacting to everything that's going on in their environment, so the ability to attend and focus can be very challenged um, so there is much in the literature to indicate. Um, how um, what's going on in our gut has everything to do with influencing our ability to attend and, and pay attention. Of course, just we know that certain um, foods, macronutrients, proteins, carbs, fats have everything um, to do with influencing uh, the production of our neurotransmitters. Um, and, and our gut is also our biggest uh, organ of, of detoxification. It's how we eliminate. So um, right. if we're if we if we're all if we're backed up, um, and you've got a lot of um, waste going on stored in the gut, and and bacteria is, is working on all of that more and more, and certain organic acids that some of these bacteria produce are um, associated with. Uh, different behaviors because they have been demonstrated in studies to be able to cross the blood-brain barrier and and influence behavior. So um, there's a lot, (laughs) there's so much, Terry, to discuss (laughs) uh, in that issue. But but that being said, um, we do have to respect what we're taking into our bodies, the individualization of of, uh, our own unique biochemistry and how we respond to things and I always just say to parents very simply, uh, let's just look at, you know, everything that's been going in to your child or to yourself, and now let's just look at all the, you know, your symptom list. So 
very simply said at the end of the day, if we want to change up our symptom list or that side of the equation, we have to just change what's going in uh, from the other side and examine how we feel. That's all. Very, very simply. Sometimes you just have to clear the decks and, and clean up the diet, and that can be very different for different people. Okay. And we'll talk yeah. more about special diet when we return from break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We want to thank our sponsor, Humpback Dairies of Miller, Missouri, providers of delicious and healthful camel's milk, a whole food. They can be reached at 417-848-7570. We'll be right back with Jerry Brewster and Rhonda Mulford. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back here with Jerry Brewster, a certified dietitian nutritionist with a Master of Public Health. She can be found at Jerry, G-E-R-I, Brewster, B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R dot com, and Rhonda Mulford, the Director of Services for the Kirkman Group, and Jerry before the uh, break, you were talking about um, uh, many physiological functions, and I just want to kind of connect the, the dots for listeners, if I can, if I can do it correctly, and you let me know. Um, so people say that most of our immune system is in our gut, but they don't usually, I would say, connect the dots with the intelligent microbes in the gut. And when those, and when the gut is uh, inflamed when the immune system, the immune system will send out chemical messengers and that will affect our neurological system. Is that a good synopsis? That's an excellent synopsis and, and that is in, in fact true that, um, the, you know, we carry various microbes all over our body, you know, certainly in our, our, our nose, our mouth, our skin, um, but certainly the majority of them are housed in our gut and there are trillions, but there are probably 
somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 main species that make up 99% of those microbes. And they have a big impact on our metabolism and our neurological system and immunological system. And this is something that um, was all put out by the National Institutes of Health study on the human um, the Human Microbiome um, Project. And we can look at today's just, you know, lifestyle that a lot of moms with lots of antibiotic and steroid use themselves are just getting through this world. Um, you know, their gut flora and their vaginal flora is very disrupted at times. And so um, that will affect the first bacteria that a baby is exposed to. And a C-section baby takes much longer to develop its microbiome because it's not even having the opportunity to be um, exposed to the bacteria in the birth canal. And, you know, the first two years of life when when we're supposed to be really developing our, our microbiota, it can get disrupted very early because of early reliance on either laxatives or acid blockers if a child is refluxing. Um, and then, of course, just depending on what kind of formula or exposure they're having um, or antibiotic exposure very early in life as well, which sometimes certainly is necessary uh, and can be life-saving but, uh, in an infant, but has to be balanced with restoring that gut flora. So certainly early disruption and our concerns with just all the... Um, the antimicrobials that we have, like the um, the triclosan and the soaps and all of that, you know, um, shifting our own ability to develop this very functional uh, microbiota, which is going to then impact our long-term immune system and our and the integrity of our neurological system. So, yes, uh, that's uh, that's pretty much why I think so many people are kind of behind the eight ball because. Right from the get-go, um, some babies are really at quite a disadvantage. Well, yeah. Rhonda, I know that you know Jerry was alluding to uh, the preconception health and like the mom's organisms. Um, I think that's probably an area of focus that you know you've had too some focused interest. And I know you were also curious about the modified Atkins diet. So, what would you like to hear about next? Oh well, I would love well. Everything, but I know we're we're limited here on time. Um, preconception is huge, huge, um, and I we here at Kirkman have a line now just for that. Um, but I'm interested in knowing more about this modified Atkins diet that I've been reading about. I work with a lot of children, and this is one we haven't heard a lot of here. So, can you explain a little bit more on that? Sure, I I would be happy to. And um, and the key that first point that you made, Rhonda, with regard to preconception, health, and wellness, and Terry mm-hmm. knows certainly that this is a big um, topic near and dear to my heart, and certainly um, through my practice and a group that I had started called Soma Vance to just really try to advance life um, in as healthy a way as possible. Um, working with women preconceptually to really reduce inflammation and detoxify as much as possible so that um, yeah, and get them healthy and get their microbiota healthy. And because we do know that inflammation and metabolic disease in women is um, has been tied to autism spectrum disorders um, in offspring. And um, 
and we are all carrying a very high body burden these days because of all the chemicals in our environment. Oh, so absolutely. the same way that we were talking about, um, you know, the, the gut-brain connection, um, when it comes to uh, seizure control, especially for children with um, on the autism spectrum, and, and certainly, you know, long before it had gained popularity within the autism um, community, the ketogenic diet, which is a very, very high-fat diet, had been used for mm-hmm. seizure, um, intractable seizure, um, for many years ago, early, like, 1920s and all. But it's a very difficult diet to administer because it's not very palatable and it's primarily fat. Over the years, um, of course, with the use of the Atkins diet, which is also designed to put the body into ketosis, which essentially means that the body is running on ketones or fat as opposed to glucose, which is normally its um, primary source of energy. And the brain generally, of course, runs on glucose, but it can also run on ketones. Um, That the use of the Atkins diet to produce ketosis and weight loss could essentially be modified um, and applied for individuals with seizures and be just as effective as the original ketogenic diet, which was just so high in fat. So it's it's more palatable because basically as long as you're keeping the grams of carbohydrate down for kids, um, 10 and under, so you're really talking about a diet that's primarily... Um, proteins and fats and a small amount of carbohydrate, um, which would be found in, in nuts and avocado, um, basically your higher fat foods um, and mm-hmm. a small amount of low-carb vegetables, um, that you can really um, get control over seizures and that being compliant with this diet for three years um, shows that then once you wean from the diet, um, the seizures will be gone, (laughs) will stay away. Um, So it's been been found to be um, very efficacious in in nearly about 50% of those that try it. It was created at Johns Hopkins Hospital um, to be this less restrictive dietary treatment and they initially um, did um, do some work with the Atkins Foundation. Um, and years ago, I was director of nutrition at the Atkins Center for Complementary Medicine. I know a lot of people think of Dr. Atkins as, as the diet doctor for weight loss, but it was a complementary and integrative um, center. So a lot of various diseases were treated there. And there were quite a number of children who came in um, for seizure control as well. And um, so in Dr. Eric Kossoff um, at Johns Hopkins, um, as a neurologist, showed interest and began all the studies and research. Um, it has really just taken off over the last decade to maybe 13 years now or so. Um, and it's been being found to be quite effective. So does this mean, is this a diet that someone could say, oh, my child has seizures and uh, I'll try it? Or do you need a... No, no, no. Good point. Good point. It should definitely be done um, in conjunction with a neurologist and a dietitian nutritionist. Absolutely. 
Um, there are definitely things that need to be always monitored, not only just the level of ketones, but you want to look at, at baseline liver function, certainly um, seizures um, and other lab parameters, certainly. Absolutely. Keep an eye on just kidney and liver function. Yeah, that was a really good point. Thank you for, for bringing that up, both of you. What are the nutrients, Jerry, that can be provided in supplement form that you've seen as most key to restoring the health of your clients? And do these nutrients need to be taken alone with other nutrients or as part of a larger program? Well, certainly on the, um, on the modified Atkins diet, there's always, you know, a general multivitamin and, and mineral um, supplement that's advised. And we also want to pay a little bit more attention um, to calcium and, and magnesium needs because there's really not very much that's going to be attained from the modified Atkins diet. So looking at just general, you know, spectrum of vitamins and minerals and trace minerals, but then looking at those two macro minerals, calcium, uh, magnesium, and of course, always looking at vitamin D levels as well. Um, because of the oils that are provided in this diet, um, generally omega-3s are satisfied. But um, so that's, again, with regard to modified Atkins diet. In, in general, uh, across the board in terms of just nutrient um, coverage for the average person, um, I would usually begin with, especially this time of year on the East Coast in, in the winter time and trying to get everybody's immune systems um, strengthened after coming through a winter and wanting them to all be prepared to handle the uh, pollens and seasonal allergies that always come blowing in in March, so right around the corner, uh, certainly looking at um, vitamin D levels and supplementing with vitamin D3. Um, sometimes D3 and K2, um, just for best benefit to bone and other cells. Looking at probiotics, a multi-mineral, I find, can really um, really help people across the board uh, just in terms of um, even adrenal thyroid support. And the omega-3s, the EPA and the DHA, the, the two primary omega-3 fatty acids that we want to rely on for brain function and for reduction in inflammation in the body. Um, and then I suppose my next tier I always would look at um, probably a good B-complex, preferably with methylated folate and B12, again, just to give best benefits depending on whether or not someone uh, is able to methylate or not. But if they can't, just give best benefit and perhaps also a little coenzyme Q10 to just support mitochondrial function and, um, and metabolism and and excretion of, of waste out of the cells. And um, pro- that'd probably be, if we had to tailor it down, to maybe my top uh, five or six. Oh, that's I don't good. know. Rhonda yeah. probably gets a lot of that same question when people might call... Um, um, yeah, and say, it's funny because you're you exactly recommend, right down you know? the line of what we would say. So. <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> it was a loaded question. So, Jerry, I know that we've covered some of preconception health. What 
what do you feel the role of healthful eating or nutritional supplementation can serve in that regard? Does it take care of those immune issues in the mom that could affect baby or toxins or something else? Yeah, I mean, this is an enormous issue, as I mentioned before. I mean, the body burden that everyone is carrying around these days is, is so large. We have all the industrial chemicals that we know are wreaking havoc with our immune system, our nervous system, our endocrine systems. Um, so there are a lot of endocrine disruptors that are um, very much to blame. I won't even say partially, probably majority of the time, um, to even fertility issues that we see so much more of these days. Um, so, you know, we tend to store a lot of these fats, um, these, excuse me, these chemicals in our fat, in our, in our bodies and, mm-hmm. and in our organs, you know, when they're not circulating freely. So, um, and our food supply is also a big source of exposure to these um, chemicals. And, and I know certainly even the genetically modified foods come in, into question. Uh, the American Academy of Environmental Medicine had urged a moratorium on them um, years ago due to the associated immune and reproductive concerns. So the um, we hear a lot about inflammation, Terry, you know, to your point, and inflammation um, is certainly, I think, tied to just excess sugar and carbohydrate consumption. Uh, we know that sugars and carbs are going to stimulate insulin production. Many people are hyperinsulinemic. They're producing too much insulin, which is because they, you know, they become insulin resistant from just a a lifetime of of carbohydrate and refined, refined carbs and sugar consumption. And insulin is a very pro-inflammatory hormone. And of course, it's also a growth hormone. Um, it's very efficient at, at storing fat, and in that fat we can store toxins, and it just it kind of it just goes round and round. Um, and in the metabolism of all these sugars, we create a lot of um, organic acids, um, going back to not only the bacteria that the sugars feed, which create organic acids, but just in the in the metabolic breakdown of of these carbohydrates, they acidify our our body, which um, our blood, which then you know makes our our bodies leach calcium from the bones in an effort to kind of keep our our blood closer to neutral. So it's, it's not good all the way around. So we're more inflamed. We're not necessarily getting enough antioxidants um, to prevent the oxidation or kind of pro-aging that occurs with um, this acidification of the body, which comes from all these sugars and high insulin levels. So we really want to work toward alkalizing the body, which comes from consumption of more legumes and vegetables and leafy greens and nuts and seeds, um, which are also the foods that contain all the antioxidants and kind of anti-agers. Um, so if we can work toward balancing the body out every day, um, a little more toward that, that alkaline body, um, and you can't just cut to the chase. You're not going to just take, you know, sodium bicarbonate because it can alkalize your stomach right. acid in your stomach, you know, boom, and think, oh, I'm alkalizing my body, and then I'll still just still have, like, my 
bagel and cream cheese and, you know, yeah. sugary beverage, um, or even a artificially sweetened uh, beverage. Uh, a lot of the artificial sweeteners oh, yeah. have been shown to stimulate insulin production as well. So um, you have to get it through the ingestion of these plant foods. Um, so um, suffice it to say, I really work with women on cleaning up their diets, alkalizing their bodies, restoring a good microbiota, um, getting good sleep, uh, reducing their stress hormones, uh, supporting their adrenals with good B vitamins and magnesium, which of course you also get from your deep green leafy vegetables. Um, but I, I take a very individualized approach, but I, I do really suggest that women start looking at um, preconception health like three to six months beforehand. I mean, it, one of my taglines is always that it certainly takes more than just one cycle off your birth control pill and, you know, beginning a prenatal to ready your body for conception. And if you're fortunate yeah, enough to get pregnant right away, that's great. But what are you carrying mm-hmm in your body that's going to then essentially get dumped into that baby because one of the best ways to detoxify is either gestation and or lactation because um, the same way that baby's relying on soaking up all the nutrients from you, that's also going to soak up all of the toxins you're carrying in your own body. And we know this from the cord blood studies and the meconium studies that are examined for newborns. They're coming in with a whole host of, of uh, neurotoxins in their little systems. So. Good. And, Jerry, you will be speaking in the preconception track at the Autism One Conference in May. And before we go to uh, the break, and we'll be looking forward uh, to uh, that lecture there, uh, Jerry can be reached at jerrybrewster.com, G-E-R-I-B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R.com. Ron, did you have any last question for Jerry? No, she answered my questions. I think it's great. I think Jerry is just wonderful. And, Jerry, any uh, take-home message that you'd like to to share with our listeners? Um, Well, that's certainly uh, today's um, discussion of this huge topic of from preconception, wellness, and and health right through gestation and birthing a baby and, and the establishment of a good gut microbiome in an infant um, and through their life cycle. I mean, this is um, this is a tremendous amount of information just skirting the surface here. So, but I'm hoping that we delivered it um, in a way that people can wrap their heads around. And if they have any additional questions or specific areas of concern, they can certainly reach out to me through my website um, or through you or see any of us at the Autism One Conference in May, which I'm looking forward to another another wonderful conference coming up this year. Certainly, yeah, food for thought. Right. Jerry, thank you for your contribution of all of your excellent information through um, many uh, means, through uh, magazine and uh, 
magazine articles, book chapters, radio shows, etc. Thank you so much for being with us here today. And thank you, Rhonda. And we're going to take a break, and then we are going to welcome Dr. John Robb. Uh, we will be right back here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to this program sponsor, Humpback Dairies, providers of delicious and healthful camel's milk, a whole food. They can be reached at 417-848-7570. We'll be right back with Dr. John Robb. Don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We now welcome Dr. John Robb, Connecticut veterinarian whose admirable stance on ethically defending the health of pets got him sacked and vilified and brings him to us here today. Welcome, Dr. Robb. Thank you for having me. Dr. Robb, just very briefly, could you please tell our listeners of your credentials, training, years of experience, and patient population? Sure. I graduated uh, in 1985 from the University of California at Davis. That's why I earned my veterinary degree. I then completed an internship at New Haven Central Veterinary Hospital here in Connecticut and then went on to own and operate uh, New Fairfield Veterinary Hospital, was medical director then for VCA, Animal Care Centers, and also uh, owned and operated an emergency clinic as well. I served for 15 years on the board of directors of the Connecticut Humane Society and have been active in rescue groups like uh, retired greyhounds as pets and wildlife rescue as well. Um, before I was sacked, as you said, I, I had a clientele of about 5,000 in Stanford, Connecticut, where I, I, I say I still own it. I, I, it's in litigation, so my feeling is we're going to win, and, and that will be my hospital again, but that's the Banfield Hospital, although I plan on changing the name to protect the pets. 
So you have respectable training and years of experience. What is the change, Dr. Rob, that you've seen in pet health over the years, and why do you think over-vaccination can cause sickness and death in pets, um, both from what people have seen and also from what's in the literature? Well, like you said, I mean, I've been practicing close to 30 years, and uh, it was clear to me early on that as I was giving these vaccines, pets were getting sick. Now, obviously, you get immediate reactions sometimes with any vaccine, but it was more prominent in the smaller, in the smaller pets. And then, uh, you know, we started to see diseases uh, more prominently like uh, the autoimmune diseases, like hemolytic anemia, where the body seems to be attacking its own self, uh, cancer at injection sites. It's well known about the vaccine-associated sarcomas in cats, where they would get literally cancer right where the vaccines were given. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, I, t- I touched base with Dr. Dodds more than 20 years ago, who's really the one of the world's leading researchers and proven many of these uh, diseases are caused by over-vaccination. So, uh, and then, of course, there was a study in 2005 by Purdue of over 1.2 million dogs, which clearly concluded that uh, vaccine reactions, immediate reactions, didn't talk about the long-term effects, but the short-term 72-hour reactions were way more prevalent in the smaller breeds. So it was obvious that they couldn't handle the volume that was given to them. So, you know, if you see a lot of pets, and on some days I would see as many as 80 clients a day, um, you will draw your own conclusions from clinical experience. There's a problem here. And then if you get into researching literature, it's clear there's a problem there. But the unfortunate thing, which is, which is just a bad reflection on the United States and our society today, is uh, those in power positions like pharmaceutical companies, corporations, uh, even lawmakers uh, have been suppressing this information, keeping it from the general public in order to continue to benefit profit-wise from vaccines. And that's, and that's really the, I mean, I just can't understand how someone could do that knowing that pets are dying out there and they're getting, you know, their, the money in their, their private home in the Caribbean and, and, and dead animals are paying for that. And I'm sorry if, I, if I'm speaking so clearly, but I have to say what's, what this is really about. It did seem... Um... It did seem odd in light of the literature that's out there from, for example, Purdue, as you say, that um, this would happen to you since there is substantiation uh, from, again, Purdue, as you say, a reputable institution available to say that this could be problematic. You know, I mentioned Jean Dodds as well, and she actually contacted Banfield two years before I bought my franchise and wrote a letter to the then uh, CEO, Scott Campbell, and said, basically, you are putting your veterinarians in a compromised position because you are still pushing an old model that's been proven to be deleterious to pets. And if they don't go with the model, then they're, then they're uh, if they go with their ethics and moral, then their jobs at at jeopardy, and, and, and this is very unfair what you're doing to these veterinarians. I didn't know that, that she had written this two years before I even bought my franchise, but obviously uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't succumb to them when they, when they tried to get me to change it, and that's why I'm on your program right now, because the bottom line is you cannot do something, inject something into a pet if you know it's going to hurt it, no matter who you work for. You've got to live your Hippocratic Oath. You've got to be able to be true to yourself, and of course, true to the pet. You know, in my career, it's been very easy for me to deal with pets and animals because I've treated a lot of wildlife. 
All you have to do is turn around and be that pet or be that injured wildlife and say, what would I want done for me? As soon as you do that, you do the right thing every time. Oh, okay. And, you know, you make a really good point that it is, you know, the, the powers that be, the political powers that be who take earnest, sincere uh, veterinarians and pediatricians and paint them into an ethical corner where they want to serve pets or they want to serve kids, but they can't best do that and follow their conscience um, if the powers that be are making them do things that are deleterious to the health of the pets and the children. So, so who's going to join that pool, you know, really? What yeah. happened to you over at the Banfield Clinic of PetSmart, which is a subsidiary of Mars? Well, to be honest, there's two stories going on here. Um, uh, Mars bought the Banfield in 2007, and uh, one-third of the 900 hospitals were what we call franchise or chartered-owned. And it was the philosophy of the previous owner, Dr. Campbell, that you should have new blood. You should have people from the outside coming in and bringing new ideas. Now, Mars, when they bought it, basically um, wanted to get rid of those franchises, and they have been doing it by, by really... I'd almost have to say demonic ways. In other words, they, 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 they constantly find things wrong with their hospital and put a pressure for you to sell back to them at pennies on the dollar, and they, they find you're not doing this right. You're not, and then you get a lawyer letter. Then you get a certified letter, and it just keeps on going on and on until you either sell back to them and move on just because of the harassment, or they terminate you, like in my case. Now, in my particular case, they picked the vaccine issue to terminate me, okay? And, uh, you know, this is a situation where... Um, it's just so clear that vaccination has been killing pets, you know. Like you said, it's in the literature. It's been in the literature. Um, but unfortunately, if you speak up, I mean, even, I have to be honest, the AVMA, AHA, all, I don't belong to any of these. These are all old boy schools. My own Connecticut Veterinary Medical Association back in 1991 sent the the state health department tried to close down my veterinary hospital, okay? That's how far this, this fight goes back, okay? So this is nothing new. Uh, they went after my license then until a program on CNBC, Pets in Peril, showed that I was the good guy and they were the bad guys. Then all their investigations stopped. So we've got to get this. I'm hoping that through programs like yourself where you're, you're allowing me to speak to the general public that they've been, they've been duped. They've been fed all the wrong information from all the people who are in authority positions within these organizations that are supposed to be really on top of things and they're friends. But I'm telling you, this goes deep, you know. People sell out to the dollar in this country, and it's getting worse every day. We can see it all around us. And unfortunately, when it comes to children and autism, I mean, look what's happening. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that this isn't stopped. And we just have to continue on educating we, the people, have to take back this country. I have to say it just like the Constitution. We, the people, can change the laws. We, the people, can put pressure on their minority. These people in power positions are a minority, but we have gotten very apathetic. We sit in our houses and we, we feel safe and we don't want to say anything, but you know, then you're not safe. When you become the victim, who's there to come for you? Who's there to help you? You know, so I'm, you know, this, this is a big problem in society right now where wrong things are being done that should be corrected. And we, the people, have got to stand up and do it. So I honor you for having a program that gets the truth out there. Because, you know, a lot of the press won't do an article on me because they don't want the truth out there. I just don't, I can't imagine how tied in so many people are in different areas of this country. 
And you'll also be on the Robert Scott Bell Show tomorrow. And just to let listeners know, uh, Dr. Rob has been compared to the Newtown, Connecticut massacre. And, and people in the autism advocacy community know about, um, about good information where the messenger is vilified and right. um, where marginalizing language is used. He's lost right. his pet his pet hospital. He may lose his license. He's being vilified. His, his uh, wife is getting calls. So there's harassment going on. Um, and uh, we are hoping for an awareness event to be held in March. Can you please give listeners details of how they can contact you to help and where they can look for further information? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, I appreciate getting the word out. Yes, we're going to hold a uh, protest. The date's to be decided in March outside the Mars company. I'm hoping that uh, vaccine, in, vaccine over-vaccination in general has to be brought to the public at this event. Uh, Mars is certainly the part of it in veterinary medicine, but I can be contacted uh, directly by phone at 203-731-4251, and, and I like getting calls from people, so don't hesitate to call me. And then uh, certainly my email address is... Uh, uh, Dr. Rob, D-R-R-O-B-B, at, and then three words put together, protectthepets.com. So Dr. Rob, D-R-R-O-B-B, at protectthepets.com. And this event is not limited to pets. Um, parents of children with vaccine-induced autism are encouraged, welcomed to attend this uh, event. Uh, Dr. Rob is also interested in uh, that aspect, and uh, when he was out the other day, uh, a mom who has a child with autism, they were out there from 9 a.m. until sundown, so we encourage listeners, mobilize your friends, put this out, uh, you know, viral on your social uh, networking groups uh, to, to come to this event, and uh, it will be uh, across from the Mars North American Headquarters, uh, again, can you give those uh, website addresses where people can find more information? Yes, I'll put a special heading in the, on the front page of my website. I'll do that within the next couple of days, but it's going to be at protectthepets.com, and I'll put a special listing. It's not up yet, but keep keep going to the website because we'll, we'll select the date to have the best turnout. And the reason it says Mars is two people. Twofold. One, of course, because they are over-vaccinating pets and killing pets. But another reason is that they're one of the most successful companies in the world with revenues of $50 billion a year. And it's the money trail, guys. It's the money trail. You have to go after the money. So I'm, I think we need to get their attention. They need to understand that the public will not stand for companies, especially corporate America, where they think with their high-priced lawyers and their money they can squish the little guys and continue agendas that include uh, terrible things done to children and pets. These are really innocent victims who can't say, stop doing that to me. You know? So that will be my website. You can go there on the date, and the location will be announced. Okay, and Dr. Rob will be back with us here again on March 5th, so please tune into that and tune into Robert Scott Bell tomorrow. Dr. Rob, thanks for joining us here today and letting our listeners know about this horrible situation. It's been my pleasure. God bless. And to our listeners, again, we want to thank our uh, this program's sponsors, Humpback Dairies of Miller, Missouri, providers of delicious and healthful camel's milk, which is a whole food. They can be contacted at 417 848 
next week, uh, Dr. Mary Joanne Lang is on with Steve Kosser talking about Medicaid coverage. And we will see you again. I will see you again here with Dr. Rob on March 5th. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.